I was successful by, I'd say, almost all traditional metric. I was making really good money. I was at a prestigious company, uh, you know, had a good job title. It was just like, I was, I was climbing the corporate ladder, doing everything I was supposed to, but I was miserable. I, I started feeling like, because I knew there was more that I had to give to the world, every day I went to work, I felt like I was just letting myself down. And the thing that I was most scared of was that it wasn't that I would quit my job, follow my dreams and fail. It was that I would never have the courage to do that at all. And then I would just wake up 30, 40 years later and just be like, dang, I settled somewhere along the way and I never had the courage to really dare to dream and go for it. Thanks for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I'm April Dawn Scheffler, and I invite you to play with me and my guest today, Gregory Benedict. Welcome, Gregory. Thanks, April. Happy to be here. Well, in this segment, we pop into a virtual coffee house before hitting the beach. And being the benevolent host that I am, your order's on me. So what order do you give the barista? Hmm. So I think a fact that surprises a lot of people about me is that I actually stopped drinking coffee. Um, So I don't drink coffee anymore, but if they had any sort of green tea, any sort of matcha, I would be all about it. So either just a plain green tea or maybe a, a matcha latte if I was really feeling myself. Well, now that you have your refreshing beverage, let's dive right in. This segment I call, I think I know you from somewhere. So sometimes going through this human experience can look like playing small, but other times it can look like playing big. So in your spotlight moments, Gregory, have there been any claims to fame, times that our listeners may have seen you or your work? Hmm. They may have heard me before on the Dare to Dream podcast, which is the podcast I started with one of my best friends, my partner in crime, Vincent Van Patten. And it's just a podcast for people who are willing to dream big and who aren't willing to settle for normality and for people who are looking to find what lights their soul on fire. It's all about living a life that's truly your own and living a life that you're fully in love with and each each time we get together for the podcast we talk about just our own personal journeys what we're going through Um, i'm sure we'll get into my story in a little bit but people may have seen me uh, as co-host of the dare to dream podcast they may have seen my writing on medium i'm a writer and i post about i write about just my life my this adventure the things i'm going through um Or they may have seen me walking around town, uh, just outside in nature, looking at the plants as I walk past them, maybe whispering sweet nothings to them. So where do you live that people might be seeing you walk around? I live in Solana Beach, San Diego, which is hands down the best place in the world. I've been to San Diego, as I told uh, Vincent on the other podcast, and I loved it. I went there for my one of my cousin's weddings and it was beautiful. So. It is absolutely paradise. I don't, I don't know if I'll ever leave. I feel like for the first time in my life, I feel like very grounded and that this is where I'm supposed to be, which is a, a beautiful feeling. In this segment, linguistic tag, guests are asked to choose a word or phrase that they would like to hear used more often in everyday conversation. Something that doesn't get enough play, enough airtime. And your pal Vinny chose the word dusky for you to dance with today. So you're tasked to try to somehow fit that into our conversation today, okay? Dusky? Dusky. (laughs) Can I get the definition on that? So you you know Dusky, he was fascinated by the colors of the purple and all that whenever ah, the sun starts setting. It's just a magical time. And so he wanted to honor that with the word Dusky. Okay, got it. So like like dusk, like sunset. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, got it. Now you also get to choose a word for the next guest to dance with. And it could be a peculiar word that you find funny 
or that just resonates with you? So what are you laying down for them to pick up? Hmm. Let's see, what's a word that I absolutely love? Hmm, this is a tough question. Maybe I should have thought about this before. <laughs> I would go with, what's a very A lot of pressure word? here. <clears throat> the, the only word that's popping into my mind, and I guess I'm just gonna have to go with it, it'll be fun for them to use, is cruciferous, as in cruciferous vegetables. <laughs> <laughs> Great. All right, I'm going to have the definition ready for the next guest so that they're able to use it properly because we don't want to butcher up your, your glorious word here. <laughs> so, um, let me ask, because I'm just curious, do you find yourself using this word yourself often? So the reason why it's stuck in the front of my mind is because we were trying to figure out the other day, first of all, what it meant. Apparently cruciferous, it's a type of vegetable like like broccoli and asparagus, it's like explains kind of that like hard structure that's also kind of stringy. And I think it's stuck in my mind because when when I said it the other day, someone was like, oh, that's a that's a $5 word. And I was like, oh. So now we're, we're at the part in the podcast where we get to do the fun interview stuff where we can just let our let the conversation flow wherever it's going to go. I had the pleasure of sitting down today to start editing my conversation with uh, Vincent. So it just brought to mind again how I had stuck my foot in my mouth without, I guess, fully researching it. He has nothing to do with go for your win. And so I'm like, how has go for your win changed your life? And <laughs> he's like, well, actually, he, he had nothing to do with it. And so you're the one that had actually participated in the Go For Your Win. And I believe that's how I first came across your fascinating story. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Absolutely. This is going to be fun. I don't think I've started at the very beginning in a while for my story. And you're totally right. Go For Your Win was kind of the genesis of this new version of myself. Before I found Go For Your Win, I was working for a real estate private equity investment fund, fund or firm um, in Solana Beach. I studied finance in school. I've always been really into numbers and analysis and I thought private equity was my dream job. And so when I finally got into this space, I was super excited. Um, I was working for a cool company with great people, but after about a year and a half, actually really just about after a year, I started feeling really unfulfilled and uninspired. And I felt like there was more that I could give to the world, especially with the fact that I love to write, I love to speak, I love to just like spread these ideas. And I just wasn't getting that satisfaction, that fulfillment from finance. Um, and so it was actually around the time of COVID. When COVID hit, that's like right when I started Go For Your Win because COVID-19 happens, my whole world turns upside down. Both of my roommates who I live with ended up going back home to be with their families. And I was just here in Solana Beach by myself. Um, and I came across Go For Your Win and it was just this opportunity. It was exactly what I was looking for, to dream big, to kind of create this new future, write your, write, write your true story about who you wanna be, what you wanna accomplish. And so I enrolled in that. And I think it was, I think that was in March. And then like March through May is when we were really, you know, every week doing the weekly writing assignments. And I just kind of started tapping into more of my authentic self. And I was getting amazing feedback in the group from just the things I was posting, the things I was writing about. Then this is where things started getting kind of crazy. One of the weeks, the assignment was to write about our mission and our vision and kind of what we wanted to accomplish in the world. And so I wrote an article about that, posted it in the Facebook group and a couple of weeks went by and then I got a message. Someone reached out to me. Her name was Sabrina and Sabrina said, Hey Gregory, I know you don't know me. I hope you don't think this is weird or anything, but I read All the best the conversations start off like that. <laughs> always. I hope always. you don't think this is weird, but <laughs> but I'm about to change your life. Um, and she's like, I read your article about your mission and your vision. And 
I'm actually in a coaching certification class with a guy named Tim and he lives in San Diego. And what he's trying to do is so similar to what you said you want to do that I really think you guys should meet. So I was like, sure. Like, I'd love to meet him. So Sabrina gave me Tim's number. We went back and forth a little bit. Um, and then we hopped on a FaceTime call. For those of you who haven't done a FaceTime with a stranger, it's definitely a little awkward at first. But like after about five minutes, Tim and I just started hitting it off. We, we and... wouldn't know anything about that, would we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, not at all. Um, and so we just started talking about like the things we're trying to do, personal development, uh, education, just all of these things we're passionate about. And Tim told me about his idea for a nonprofit that he was, he was in the idea phase, but he was like essentially starting it right then. And it was called the Enjoyable Pain of Growth Academy. And when he told me that, something just clicked inside of me. I'm a big proponent of hard work and discipline. As you can see on my wall, I have a big sign that says do the work. Like I said, something clicked inside of me. I realized that this was the perfect opportunity to get involved with because it would allow me to combine my passion for human development and serving others also with my desire to make an impact and try and make the world a better place. It was around, it was around the time I met Tim that all the social injustices were happening over the summer and it broke my heart because I didn't know how I could do something personally about it. This was just a beautiful opportunity to kind of combine everything that I was looking for. And so in June of 2020, I ended up walking away from my job in private equity and went dove headfirst into founding this nonprofit with Tim. And so we've been, we've been working on it for the past eight, maybe nine months now. And we just launched our first program. So we're working with uh, 30 students um, at Yes Prep Southside in Houston, Texas, which April, I know you live in Houston, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So we're working with 39th graders. Uh, each student in our program is paired with a professional leadership coach. We, we partnered with a nonprofit in Houston that has been teaching social and emotional learning in the schools. And so they helped us partner with the school, Yes Prep, and get our students. And then we also partnered with the International Coaching Federation, which is the gold standard of executive coaching worldwide. And they have provided more, they've just opened the communication channels and we've recruited coaches uh, to coach our students. And so each, each student gets paired with a coach and then they also go through our online personal development program. How did uh, Houston's area get selected? Yeah, so Tim grew up in San Diego, but he went to school at Rice University. He played D1 basketball there. And uh, he was also president of the Black Male Leadership Initiative um, and was very involved with the school. And so his network at Rice University is extensive. He was part of something called the Door Institute which is leadership coaching for students at Rice. And him being involved with that and just seeing kind of that model inspired us to do a similar thing, but with a younger demographic. And so the reason Houston is because Tim's network is there. That's actually where Tim lives now. And then another huge reason for us is that the Houston Independent School District is the worst performing in the United States. And we really wanted to focus our efforts where we could have the highest impact and make the greatest change as fast as possible. I want to go to the go for your win just for a moment. Going through these exercises where you're tasked to actually write down the environment. What does your environment look like? Are you working alone? Are you working with other people? How do you work best? And so I thought that was really cool. I took it from being this nebulous, maybe I won't ever reach it because I don't even know what it is that I'm trying to, to get towards. Mm -hmm. And then it also, that mission statement was really key as well. I also love that I have the permission from the course that that changes, that can change at any time to whatever I want it to be. So, yeah, my, my mission statement has changed probably like four or five times since I started. Um, but speaking to what you just said, the course just gave us 
permission to dream big. Honestly, that's a lot of the inspiration I got for starting the Dare to Dream podcast. But to really just write down everything you want and then start taking those small steps to go and get. For me, at least, it's less about achieving the actual goal and more about just making those small steps in that direction, making progress towards your goals. That's where I'm the most happy. Sometimes even when I achieve the goal, I have the momentary excitement and satisfaction, but then immediately I just want to set another goal. So it's really just learning to enjoy the journey and the process. Go For Your Win was just so fundamental for me. It really allowed me to step away from my old identity, which was the finance guy, risk averse, logical, rational all the time, and really step into more of who Gregory is through Go For Your Win. It's how I started writing. As I mentioned, I started the Dare to Dream podcast. It inspired that. Um, and since then, the nonprofit has taken off and I've also become a neurotransformational coach. And so it really just gave me permission to tell the world what it is that I actually want and go, go get those things, go do those things and stop caring about, oh, what are, what are other people going to think? What are my friends going to think? What are my parents going to think? What are my friends' parents going to think? Just really not being afraid to say, this is what I want and I'm going to go do it. Well, tell us what exactly was on the line as you were considering whether or not to leave your, your corporate job. Quite a bit because I was, I was successful by, I'd say, almost all traditional metric. I was making really good money. I was at a prestigious company, uh, you know, had a good job title. It was just like I was, I was climbing the corporate ladder, doing everything I was supposed to but I was miserable. I, I started feeling like, because I knew there was more that I had to give to the world, every day I went to work, I felt like I was just letting myself down. And the thing that I was most scared of was that it wasn't that I would quit my job, follow my dreams and fail. It was that I would never have the courage to do that at all. And then I would just wake up 30, 40 years later and just be like, dang, I settled somewhere along the way and I never had the courage to really dare to dream and go for it. And what was on the line was just my, my, my old identity, this person who I had built by, you know, going to a good school, getting good grades, studying finance, getting a good job after school, just that whole person, that whole persona of the young successful person in finance. That was what I had to give up. I had to let that die in order for this new me to emerge. I love that going back to the go for your win, it puts us all in the seat of being creators and mapping out where we want to go and that it's possible. Just knowing that it's possible is such a big difference right like almost having that permission to dream and having someone tell you that you can do all of these big things is is step number one because I think for so many people they don't realize that they are powerful and that they have the potential to do all of these amazing things if they only tell the world what it is they want and actually start doing it I think as, as long as we're following whatever that is in us that lights us up and delights us, then we're on the right track and we're going to be successful in the truest sense of the word because we're going to be happy and the people around us are going to benefit from that for sure. Absolutely. That's actually, so one of our like founding quotes for the nonprofit is a quote by Howard Thurman, who was a mentor of Dr. King's. And I'm sure you've heard this. It's very famous in the personal development world. But he says, don't ask what the world needs. Ask what makes you come alive and go do that. Because what the world needs is more people who have come alive. And I'm just so passionate about that idea that when you are happy and fulfilled and inspired and excited about your life, that's when you're going to show up every single day as the best possible version of yourself. You're going to lead with your heart. You're going to help others. 
you're going to inspire people around you to do what's important to them. And the world, especially now, the world needs more people who have come alive and who are willing to do the introspection, the inner work to figure out what it is that truly makes them happy and excited and to start doing that. Because otherwise, if you're doing something that you don't love and you are just a zombie going through the motions, you're going to react with anger and hate. You're not going to you're not just going to show up as the best version of yourself and kind of contribute to other people's lives because you're dealing with the consequences of day after day settling for something that doesn't excite you. I also wanted to talk about your writing. You also just like uh, Vincent write articles for medium.com. And I clarified with Vincent, I hadn't heard of medium before. Mm. So I was like, um, is this like a spiritualist platform where people like mediums, they they're channeling voices from the astral plane. <laughs> so, I knew it Not couldn't quite. be that, but he, he clarified that for me and cleared it up and told me what it, what it's really all about. Explain what difference, if any, there is between what you guys write about or maybe your writing style. What would that be? That's a great question. So we write about a lot of similar topics of kind of just what we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis, what we're thinking about, the life lessons that are coming up. Vinny actually knows how to write. <laughs> he was he studied journalism um, at Cal Poly and is just a very, very awesome. Like he's great at writing and like all of his sentences are correct and he's very descriptive. I love reading his stuff because he'll take just an ordinary Tuesday morning of him just getting out of bed and going for a walk. He'll be able to write an article about it that's so vivid and descriptive that you feel like you're there. Or he'll describe a sunset and it's just such a beautiful experience. He'll use really descriptive words like dusky and the orange glow of the sun as it's setting. And just like, he he really, he shows you what he's writing about instead of just telling it. And then for me, a lot of times I'm just writing about life lessons or personal development stuff. I think my writing is maybe be, maybe a little more just like to the point. It's less artistic and more just like, this is what I'm struggling with. I hope it can help you. And just like kind of letting people get into, get inside my head. That's what I use writing for. I know Vinny does too. He uses writing in this way as well as just for me, I solve a lot of the problems or a lot of the issues I'm struggling with by writing about it. It really helps me kind of get all of my emotions and all of my thoughts onto the page and like organize them in a way that is coherent and makes sense. And then allows me to move forward. I'd say, yeah, the main difference is just probably our backgrounds. I haven't had any instruction on how to write. I just write what I'm feeling about and what I'm thinking about. I just, I just love reading Vinny's stuff. It's so artistic and beautiful and descriptive. Well, I told him after I found out that he had that degree in journalism, I said, that makes complete sense because it occurred to me that during some of the podcasts that y'all have, even though sometimes you don't have a guest, it's kind of like you do because Vinny will be asking you questions. He does have that journalistic interviewer thing that he's bringing to the table where he's asking some really great questions. One of the things I find interesting is that even though you say that he's more of the artistic type, you you write poetry. I just read one of your poems in your newsletter this morning. So does he write poetry as well? He does. He does. He does. We both do. We're both, we're both, we both like to taste everything that we can and just experiment. We both read. We're both voracious readers and we're constantly reading, listening to podcasts, just learning new things. And you can so, tell that in the podcast. Y'all are both so <laughs> well-read. You're both quoting all these philosophers left and right. And it's in a way that it makes sense and it's applicable to everyday life. It's not just, again, some nebulous theory that you're discussing because those mental exercises feel good. It's because you've been able to apply it to, to life and make it more of a beautiful experience. I appreciate that. That's why it's so much fun when we get together is we won't see each other for four or five days and we'll come back and we'll just be like so excited to share all these new things we've learned uh, or these these quotes that we've heard and 
we're both, as you mentioned, avid lovers of quotes. So we'll always work those in. He's one of my best friends. And so we just have a lot of fun just kind of going back and forth and building off of each other and seeing, seeing where it goes. Hey, it's Sheffy here. I want to take a quick moment to invite you, my dear listener, to join my community over at patreon.com forward slash aprilific. I offer two tiers of support, the Palm Palms, which is $5 a month, and Thunder, so named because a pack of dragons is called a Thunder, and I thought that was pretty cool. And that's at $10 a month. Both tiers get access to podcast bonuses, as well as my frequent videos throughout the week. Those who join the Thunder tier also receive a one-time homemade gift as a token of my gratitude and access to my Akashic Records readings. Perks will be added as the community builds and as you, the patron, tell me what you'd like to see offered. The community is going to grow with us. Another way you can support this podcast if you're listening on Apple Pods is to rate and review the show. The more five-star ratings, the bigger the potential to attract even more listeners to this podcast's message. But regardless, I feel so honored with your time. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening. Uh, Speaking of poetry, I wanted to give you the opportunity to read your poem if you wanted to, the one that you you, um, released in your newsletter. Did you want to do that? Uh, Sure. Okay. (laughs) I'd love to. Let me let me pull it up on Medium. Yeah, I'll I'll read this one because I have more resistance to reading this than a previous one. So that probably means that this one needs to be read. Exactly. <laughs> For sure. So this poem is called I Smile as I Walk Through the Garden of My Dreams. Steam billows from my cup of hot tea, like mist rising off a still lake at dawn. I turn inward to see a different side of me, to view the place where all my dreams belong. I see a beautiful garden bustling with activity. Each dream is being watered and cared for, especially the ones for which I have a proclivity. I feel the energy within this place, deep inside my core. Some dreams are tall and wide, others are short and thin. Some have trunks that reach toward the sky. The rest are just digging their roots in. I smile as I walk through the garden of my dreams. The air is alive with energy and excitement. Everything feels right here. At least that's how it seems. Maybe the secret to growth is proper alignment. Proper alignment. Yeah, I loved that part. I liked it because it, even on the page, it it reads beautifully because, um, you know, you have four lines in each stanza and it's like an, uh, a b c b rhyming scheme and so i i liked it i liked it a lot mm, thank you appreciate that uh, so one of the things that you and um then have talked about recently is the miracle mornings and i have found that to be really cool and when you were talking about the phone and the technology and how we're a little bit too addicted to everything. I've taken it to heart. And so I've been trying to actually put into play some of the suggestions. And I loved telling my husband about the whole point and say method. (laughs) It's a funny one. Yeah. So I, I went online and tried to check out the book Atomic Habits that y'all recommend that that's out of. And so I'm on the waiting list, but I'm 80th in line. So it may be (laughs) a while before I get that book uh, from the library loan. But anyway, one of the things that y'all had suggested is to not have the phone in the bedroom. And so I've really liked that. So I have my phone charging here in the office. One of the things I had to do yesterday was go out and buy a plug-in alarm clock because I usually wake up to the alarm on my phone. I've become so dependent on this. This is everything. Mm-hmm. So um, 
I thought I said it correctly, but I didn't. It didn't go off this morning. So I'm going to have to figure out <laughs> before I go to work tomorrow uh, what I did wrong. <laughs> I think either it's been so long since I used a regular alarm clock that I don't know how to operate it. But I think it's more likely that it has uses some lithium battery and that can keep instead its own time for eight years. And I think it's just a little bit more advanced than what I needed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was, it like I got it. it at a thrift store. And so I, we'll, we'll see. I'll have my husband figure out what I'm doing wrong. But yeah, I love that. I feel every time I walk away from your podcast with, with Vinny that I just feel encouraged. I feel like more hopeful, more optimistic. I feel like I have more tools with which, oh yeah, I'm definitely going to try this out. And I have so many talking points that I can tell other people about and have interesting conversations as opposed to the weather or what, you know, how brown the yards are here in Houston because of the, the frost and mm -hmm. all that stuff. So but yeah, I'm so glad that y'all have uh, a platform. I think it's really neat that with the podcast platform, you know, some people will say, oh, everyone's wanting to do that. Well, sure. I think everyone should who wants to do a podcast because I think a podcast will often make you distill things down to what is important to you and talk about that. And I love that for me at least it's given me the excuse or the opportunity to approach people and have conversations that i wouldn't have otherwise so it's been really neat so you started your podcast exactly when so we started our podcast in july and it's been pretty hilarious to go back and look at our first couple episodes because episode one was honestly before episode one we recorded a couple that didn't even make the cut our first call ever, our first episode ever was us doing a Zoom call without video because we couldn't figure out how to make the video work. So it was just audio. That was horrendous. And so we scrapped that and we did another one that ended up not making it either. But our very first one that we published is me sitting in bed on my laptop on Zoom. Vinny's also on Zoom. And now to see, we just released episode 19 and we we have a microphone. We're not using Zoom. We're in person. You're not in uh, bed. <laughs> we're not we're not in bed together. We're at a table, um, and we're filming it. We just started filming ours again to put up on YouTube, and it's just been so fun to see the progression. And that's kind of been the whole theme throughout the Dare to Dream podcast is just starting something is the biggest step. You don't have to have it all figured out. You accrue incremental wisdom as you implement your flawed plan and so just start start your really flawed plan somewhere mm -hmm. and then realize how you need to improve for the next next episode then do that and then you realize that oh i need to go do this thing over here to make it even better and then you go do that and it's just this constant improvement process uh continuously getting better and yeah, I, I love so that much of so it. many people, they don't want to start something if it's not going to be perfect. They don't, they're afraid of criticism and, and not necessarily outward criticism, but from within, like, oh, that was bad. Like I could do so much better, but so they want everything to be perfect according to their own standards of what perfection is. And then, but that keeps them from even ever starting. But so I was listening to a podcast and this lady channeled, uh, so you have two co-hosts and one of the ladies will channel a guest and the other one will interview her. We interview whoever the spirit or soul that comes in. <coughs> Excuse me. And so for this episode, they invited the spirit of Leonardo da Vinci uh, to come in and be interviewed. And they took a listener question for Leonardo and it was asking, what do we do with creative blocks? Uh, whether it be writing or painting, whatever it is, career-wise, what do we do with a block? And what came through was, that was so cool. Sometimes you have to create poorly to create well. 
And so it was saying, just create, just create, because some of it's going to be crap and then some of them are going to be masterpieces. So sometimes you have to create poorly to create well. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's so what I'm doing with this, with this podcast. <laughs> that's, so. I resonate with that so much. That's funny. I think maybe I was visited by the spirit of Leonardo the other day because I had a very similar thought of it's better to start poorly than to never start at all. Mm-hmm. For sure. So true. I think one, one more thing I'd like to share is kind of even before go for your win, the real beginning of me taking control of my life and starting to live a life that was my own and one that I genuinely loved. And so Vinny was actually here for this as well. It was the, it was November of 2019, right before the whole world turned upside down with coronavirus. Vinny, myself, and like seven other of our best friends, we were in Japan. And we went to Japan for two weeks and it was just an absolute blast, trip of a lifetime. And the night before we had gone to a karaoke hotel in Tokyo, which is essentially (laughs) a hotel, but instead of hotel rooms, they have these little personal private karaoke rooms. Oh, wow. Okay. I've never heard of anything like that before. Yeah, we had a group of, there's probably like 12 of us. It was, it was us. And then um, a family friend of mine had a niece that lived in Tokyo. And so she met up with us and she brought a friend and the two of them kind of took us around town. And then we ended up at a, at a karaoke hotel. And so we had just an absolute legendary night, super fun. Um, that also sounds you- like the way any great story would start. And then we went to a karaoke hotel. <laughs> We went to a karaoke hotel and it was um, all you can drink. So the drinks were flowing, um, which leads into where I was the next morning, which was in shambles, just in the, in the cafe of the hostel, super hungover, sitting there, just really questioning a lot of things. For me, drinking was something I was struggling with for a while, not in the, I was drinking too much or couldn't control it since but in the fact that my body, it just wasn't vibing with my body. And every time I drank, I would feel super sick. I'd get way more hungover than anyone else. And I really started to think that I needed to stop drinking and that maybe the only reason I was still drinking was because other people wanted me to. Like I was, you know, the fun party guy at times. And so here I am in Tokyo in the, in the hostel cafe listening to this podcast, really just not doing well, (laughs) extremely hungover, upset with myself. The moral hangover, I think, was just as bad as the the physical hangover. And I was listening to this podcast, and they were talking about someone named Bronnie Ware. And Bronnie Ware, she is a famous author, but before she wrote her book that made her famous, she was working as a nurse in palliative care, caring for people at the end of life. And she interviewed 500 people on their deathbed and asked them, what are the things you regret most? If you could go back and change things about your life, what would you change? And she ended up writing a book called Five Regrets of the Dying. And regret number one that people said was that they wish they would have had the courage to live a life that was truly their own and not a life that others expected of them. And in that moment, it hit me that I was in fact still drinking just because other people wanted me to, even though I hated it and it was destroying my body and my mood and just working in the exact opposite direction of all of my goals. And so it was really in that moment that I decided that I was gonna stop drinking. And so I told myself that I was gonna go all of 2020 without drinking, just really focus on me, my personal development, moving towards all my goals and see what happened. And so that was kind of this catalyst for me, not caring what other people think. Like I definitely got a lot of weird questions and looks from just being like, yeah, I don't drink anymore. Like, it's just not for me, especially because that's who I was before. And I went all of 2020 not drinking and it was the best year of my life. Not just because of that, but that's when I did go for your win. I became a writer. I started a podcast. I became a coach. 
I co-founded a nonprofit. I quit my job. I started doing the things that I was actually passionate and inspired about. And because of all of that, I've just decided that I'm not going to drink anymore. Not that I think there's anything wrong with socially drinking. It's just, there's almost like too much evidence for me of all of this magic that happened when I decided to just live my own life and do what makes me feel good instead of trying to fit into kind of the, the normal box of what society expects from us. Just as a half joking, I think um, I would probably have to drink in order to do a karaoke. <laughs> I, I, I can't carry a tune. So yeah, for, oh, me, to, for uh, me to sing in front of other people. Uh, yeah, I definitely see alcohol involved. <laughs> That. Definitely. I don't, I don't do karaoke quite as much anymore. <laughs> when you said that about the coaching, it reminded me, I wanted to ask you, uh, it's not just any coaching. You're not calling it life coaching. It's, you said neurotransformational coach. What makes that different? And how does one get that type of, I mean, is it a certification or a training that you took? Yeah, it is. So I, I took a neurotransformational coaching certification. And I think the main, so I'll explain the main difference about that. And then I'll also explain kind of the difference of my coaching. So neurotransformational is all focused on the subconscious mind. And so it pulls a lot from NLP, which is just neuro-linguistic programming, right? Oh, yes. Sorry. Yes. Neuro-linguistic programming. Um, and it, it's all about communicating with the subconscious mind and going deep and doing the inner work and figuring out why certain people aren't able to achieve their goals because maybe they know steps one, two, and three, but when they actually go out into the real world and try and implement the steps, they come up against this invisible resistance. Because if and you can change the wiring, right, then it can make so the decisions themselves so much easier. Like... Because I know sometimes if you're going straight off just willpower, it is so difficult and the changes aren't lasting. They're not permanent because you're going to get to a weekday and you're like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just, uh, I'm going to go to whatever my, my default is. And so by changing the, the neural patterns or rethinking things in a way that makes it beneficial for you or putting it in a light where this is where you want to, your motivation. I'm all about motivation because I have to be motivated <laughs> to do any lasting uh, pattern or habit. So that's kind of neurotransformational coaching in a nutshell. And then what I do for my coaching is I kind of combine that inner work, the dealing with the subconscious with more of the like tangible just productivity, scheduling, routine, all of that, because I've spent the past four years in the corporate world before I quit my job, just trying to optimize my life and figure out how to just get everything dialed outside of work. And so whether it's goal setting, productivity, positive habit implementation, I have like that whole side of it. And that's a lot of times where I start with clients is helping them just like set up the structures and give them the tools they need in order to be successful. And then where the neurotransformational piece comes because in. Because again, you're the how, you're the how guy. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then, so we start doing that and then inevitably, you know, they'll hit some sort of obstacle or resistance wall that comes up. And then that's where I bring in the neurotransformational side and I say, okay, like something's coming up here. Maybe it's a self-limiting belief. Maybe it's a fear or something that happened to you in your childhood that you haven't been able to let go of. And so let's begin to peel back the layers and figure out what is stopping you here and we'll change your inner landscape so that this doesn't come up anymore. And then you'll be able to breeze right past that, that obstacle that was previously there. So how, how long is that, um, that training for the neuro transformation? The, the one I did was a 10 week course um, by Sean Smith. It's called the Breakthrough Coaching Certification, which if anyone's looking for an introduction into coaching, I would highly recommend him. He's awesome. It was all online. I could do it at my own pace, which was nice. And then my next step is to become ICF certified, 
which is the International Coaching Federation. It's that company we partnered with for the nonprofit. I'm looking at different coaching certification courses through them because they, they are an accreditation entity that people can create coaching certifications and then submit them to ICF to be a credit, like to, to make sure that they're up to the ICF standard, because as I mentioned, they're the gold standard. So that's the next step is to become ICF accredited just to really take myself to the next level. And what exactly is involved in that? Like, is that a 10 week course as well or? It'll be much more intensive. So like there's hundreds of ICF certified courses to go through. So I'll just choose which one I want. Um, but I think at minimum it's 60 hours of like coaching modules, coaching learning. And then on top of that, it's a certain number of actual coaching sessions and a, a bunch of other requirements depending on the program. And then once you do that to get your actual first, like it's called the ACC accreditation, I believe is you need a hundred coaching hours. So it's, it's pretty, pretty intense, but that's where I'm going next. So did you just go into coaching knowing, Oh heck, I got this. I can do this. Or like most of us, did you have a certain amount of doubt that you could be helpful? And then you had that one client that like that first client that said, Oh my gosh, this helped and you're like, wow, I can really be helpful and all of this trauma or knowledge that has informed my experience up to this point, I can actually use these tools um, to help other people. Yeah, so coaching is so interesting because I didn't understand what actual coaching was before I took the certification. I thought that coaching was very much I've done this before. This is what worked for me. This is what I think you should try. And that's not coaching. That's advice giving. Maybe that's mentoring. Coaching, true coaching is just simply asking questions. It's asking questions and holding space so that the client can discover the answers that are within them. And so once I understood that, that I didn't need to have been through the exact same scenario to coach someone through that, it really opened my eyes to how many people I could help. But there's been, of course, there's been the self-doubt and the limiting beliefs of I'm too young to be a coach or I don't have enough experience yet. So many things come up, but what has really given me the courage to continue is that during my coaching calls, I've never felt more connected to my purpose of just being there as a positive light, asking questions, being ferociously curious, and just really putting myself in the present moment in any way that I can to help whatever it is my clients are dealing with. And that really, coaching and the nonprofit and the Dare to Dream podcast, those are like the three things. Those are the three areas of my life right now that I'm focusing on. And they all come together and align towards my highest goal which is just to positively impact the lives of everyone I meet. So it goes back to your poem about the alignment. Yes, definitely. I got um, interested in hypnosis and I did not see that coming. And uh, I experienced eight sessions as a, a practitioner, as a client in January, there's a January workshop. And so I signed up and I had eight sessions as a, as a client. And then it came around where there was an opportunity to become a practitioner. And I was not, I was not feeling it. I was not seeing it for myself, but the facilitator was like, I think I just keep getting this intuition hit that I need to bring this to your attention. I'm like, well, I trust you. Let me, let me try it out. And so it seems as though it's been helpful. And if there's been any motivation to continue, it's that I can see the difference in the people that I'm working with when I am the practitioner. And it's exactly the same thing, Gregory. You don't even have to know what the hell you're doing in a way. Uh, you just, you're there to help them ask questions because, and you're doing that 
to help ask questions or lead them to find that inner guidance, what their higher self, what God, the universe is already has within them. And you're just teasing it out to the surface where the, the client can look at it and be like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. You're great. Thank you so much. And you're like, I'm so help, happy to be of service and useful. And at the same time, you know, as a practitioner that, or as a coach in your case, that it's not you. I mean, it is you because without you, there wouldn't be, you know, Coach Gregory, you know, to, to offer that. But so it is you, but at the same time, it's not. And that takes a lot of the stress off of it. You just have to be the best uh, channel or coach in your case that you can be asked the most succinct life, you know, transformational questions and let them, because I was t talking about this just the other day with uh, someone, I can't remember you, but how different it feels when you're getting wisdom outside of yourself, as opposed to something that or feels organic, like within you that you experience and have that aha moment. Because if someone's just telling you something, you can be like, you can mentally grasp, okay, yeah, that makes sense. That's probably a good thing to do. Let's create a plan, A, B, C. But unless you feel it, like with your emotional body, as a, in addition to your mental body, it doesn't quite land exactly the same. And it doesn't have the same impact in your day-to-day -day decisions. It doesn't reroute any of those neural pathways. Absolutely. And that's why it's so powerful with coaching to let the client come to their own answer and their own solution, because you're so much more likely to do something that you created by yourself or you co-created with a coach than to do something that just someone told you to do. And I love how you said like, oh, like, yeah, that sounds like a good idea. Like, maybe I'll do that. It's so true. And then another thing that you said that really resonated, and it's actually something that Vinny and I talked about a couple episodes back is that it's not about you and when you make your life not about your life and instead about all the people that you can impact and the lives that you can touch not only does it remove so much pressure and anxiety from your own life but it just really shows you how much of an impact you can have because if you're making it about yourself you're focused on okay am i am i doing the best i can as a coach are all of these things going well for my own personal gain? And if it's about you, you can get stuck with your own fear, your own limiting beliefs, all the things that are going to get in the way. But if instead you're like, it's not about me. I don't care how I feel today. I need to get on this call so that I can help this person who needs me. It's so much easier to just overcome all of that because there's someone out there who needs your gifts, who needs your talents, who needs what you have to offer. And you have to get out of your own way so that you can help them. I felt the timing of that podcast was beautiful because I heard that podcast and I had, I was either just, I was, I think I was scheduled to go on to my first appearance on another podcast. And I was scared to death um, because we, I talk about so much. <laughs> I talk about, um, psychedelics. I talk about uh, depression and suicide and all kinds of things that um, I was afraid that people might look at me differently or and it was often it was just self-judgment. But when I heard your podcast and I was like, you know, it's not about me. Someone needs, someone is needing to hear what I have to say. And why not use all of this crap and junk and stuff that I've experienced in a, in a way that is actually useful where I can be thankful. I mean, cause whatever happened happened. So I might as well be thankful and use it as a tool to help reach other people and make me that specific conduit or maybe someone would listen to and relate to that they wouldn't with someone else. 
someone who didn't face the same challenges or experience the same things that I did. So yeah, I was had that encouragement from you guys by listening to that podcast that there was someone who was needing to hear my story. And so I didn't need to put up these filters or to make myself look good or speak something that was maybe not as authentic my truth, but just be, just put it out there, whatever came through my heart, just to speak it and let whoever was needing to receive it, receive it. Because me not being my authentic self is not going to help anybody else. It's just not. Yeah, and it's often the things that we are the most afraid to share that have the biggest impact on I other people. I love that because you were talking about the resistance in that episode. And so having heard that, I got the connection when you were talking about what that poem to read earlier. You're like, oh, I'm, I have, I'm feeling resistance. This must mean I'm meant to, this is what I'm meant to share. Because you're right. Whenever we have resistance, it's often because something means a great deal to us. We're placing a lot of importance on something and we want it to be just perfect or just right. We don't want to be misunderstood or for something to be misconstrued. So yeah, I, I, I felt again that the timing of that podcast was perfect for me. I really appreciated the encouragement. I knew it was for everybody, but I took it personally. I'm like, thanks guys. I <laughs> love to hear that. That's the best thing that we can possibly hear from someone who's listening. So thanks for sharing that with us. Oh, one of the things I, um, I got from listening to you is that you're uh, big on the how and you're great at optimizing time because you were talking about that with your career, you know, how to do all these other things. So should you know, a wife and family come in to the picture, right? You're not married, are you? I'm not married. Okay, so when I'm thinking, like, when these things come into the picture, if they do, um, then, oh gosh, that can be messy. Like, the kids, you know, the, the infant refuses to be on a schedule, and, you know, you can't, there's so many things that you can't plan for, like, you're spouse will be like super tired that day and things are just not going to go according to plan. So you being the planner, the, the how guy, how do you see that fitting in? Like what tips could you give the rest of us when life is messy and things aren't going according to the plan we set out for ourselves? What are some good ways to reorient ourselves and measure our sense of success in a day? That's a fantastic question. And I think what I would share is just wisdom I've accumulated from other sources along the way. And so one other quote that I love is by Jordan Peterson. And he says, orient yourself properly, then and only then concentrate on the day. And that I think is a solution to the fact that life is never gonna go exactly how you think it is. And your ideal day that you journal about is never gonna turn out that way. There's always gonna be something that comes up. And so taking that time, especially in the morning, this is why my morning routine is such a sacred time for me. It's my bunker of time in the morning where no matter what happens, I make sure that that gets done. It's my anchor and taking time in that to do the things that are your non-negotiables. For me, that's journaling, gratitude, meditation, a little bit of movement, um, and some learning. And those things, as long as I can do that and get that in the morning, or at some point, just have that anchor and really think about, I love the just orient yourself properly. Like, it seems silly, but I literally remind myself every morning of, who I am and what I'm trying to accomplish. Because if I don't, it's really easy to say yes to things that aren't in alignment with what I'm working on and to get pulled in every which direction just because. The more commitments that aren't aligned with. Exactly. What makes you happy. Just because things come up. And so taking that time to anchor and orient in the morning 
with a personal routine. That would be my recommendation on how to navigate all of the chaos that's going to ensue. And then I think the second part of the question was like just measuring that success and measuring your accomplishments. And that is probably even harder to do, especially if you're someone who's very achievement oriented. Uh, it's very easy to always look to the next thing and feel like you're not doing enough. And one thing I've been really working on for myself is just taking time before I go to bed to just think about the day and reflect on what went well, because there's always going to be more things to do. Um, things to check off your list, new projects to start, but it's really important to just acknowledge for a moment that you're doing great, that you're moving in the right direction and that you're, loving yourself i was gonna say like that would be one of the questions is how well did i love today mm -hmm. it would probably be a great metric for measuring the success of the day i love that that's a fantastic one yeah well gregory how can people find out more about you and follow what you're making in your own sandbox great question so I would direct people first to gregoryrussellbenedict.com. Russell is with two S's and two L's. And then my last name is spelled a little differently. It's B-E-N-E-D-I-K-T. So gregoryrussellbenedict.com has, that's where I publish a lot of my writing. It's where you can learn more about my coaching. You can join my weekly wonderings, which is my newsletter to hear what I'm writing about, what I'm reading, what I'm listening I'm to, that. what I'm thinking yeah. about. <laughs> and um, that's where you can learn more about me. You can also go on Medium to read my articles. I believe my Medium name is just Gregory Russell Benedict as well. And my Instagram handle is Gregory Russell Benedict. And if you want to learn more about the nonprofit, you can go to epogacademy.com. That's epogacademy.com. And those are probably the best places to learn more. And I would love to hear from anyone who's interested in coaching, interested in podcasting, interested in getting involved in the nonprofit. Um, anyone who's wanting to live a life that's truly their own and find what makes them come alive. Those are the people I want to talk to. I love how in the Lifestylist podcast, Luke's story ends his pods asking his guests this question, so I'm including it in mine. Who have been three teachers or teachings in your life that you might share with our audience that they could go research and also learn from? Mm. I'd say the first person that comes to mind is Marcus Aurelius because of his influential stoic teachings and probably the concept or definitely the concept I visit daily one because I have a picture on my wall of it and two I also have this little coin that I keep on my desk is this concept of memento mori and basically what that it's a latin phrase that translates into remember that you must die and it's interesting because you know thinking about death on a daily basis sounds rather morbid but to me it's such an inspiring and motivating thing because remembering that tomorrow isn't guaranteed and how I live today could be my last. It really just lights a fire under me to not only make sure that I live life to the fullest and that I'm going for my dreams wholeheartedly and a hundred percent, but that also be cognizant of how I'm treating people today. Make sure that I'm not too busy for kindness and compassion and love because this could be it. You never know. Um, and so Marcus Aurelius stoicism has helped me immensely um, in my life. I'd say the second person is Vishen Lakhiani. He is founder of one of the leading personal development companies in the world called Mind Valley. And when I first heard Vishen on a podcast, I listened to the whole podcast and it ended and I just started the podcast over and listened to it again because he 
put words and definitions to so many ideas and feelings and concepts that I had been trying to explain, but I couldn't. And one of them was this concept of rules, which stands for BS rules. And basically it's all of these rules that society has deemed like you have to get an office job or you have to do this or you have to go to this you have to go to college you have to do what your parents think you should do and when you when you realize that you don't have to do these things like you don't have to drink alcohol if you hate it just because everyone else does you don't have to live a standard normal life you can be extraordinary um he's just shown me so much in the way of finding what truly makes you you and following that so he's wonderful um he has a meditation called the six phase meditation that you can just go on youtube and find and it's phenomenal it's about 20 minutes it's a guided meditation that takes you just through six stages that are really really helpful um so he's he's number two and then number three would be sean stevenson he is host of the model health show which is the number one health and fitness podcast in the u.s and he is just such a phenomenal human being he's so kind and compassionate and genuine in his podcast obviously i i haven't met him yet in person i definitely want to at some point in my life but he's been a huge inspiration he just talks about holistic health and wellness and the importance of the food that we're eating the food that we're putting in our bodies how that impacts our mental health, our physical health, our emotional health. Hence all and the salmon that you and Vincent are consuming. <laughs> <laughs> hence, hence all the salmon. Um, he's been a phenomenal teacher as well, just through his podcast and through his books. And so I'd say, yeah, the three of them together have been a really good balance. It's like the stoic side with Marcus Aurelius of how to shield yourself and approach the world from a, from a strong, sturdy standpoint, vision is getting in touch with your spirituality and what really makes you come alive. And then Sean Stevenson is just the holistic health and just treating people with kindness. Well, Gregory, I want to thank you so much for joining me in Sheffy's Sandbox. I will be listening to you and Vin on your podcast, the Dare to Dream podcast. So until then, uh, much love and thank you again. Thanks so much for having me, April. Appreciate it.